Hi, I'm Trevor, and uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Um, today, uh, I'm going to be doing a show with my brother, Matt. Uh, say hello, Matt. How you doing? Uh, so, for this edition of Catching Up on Cinema, uh, we actually went to the cinema, and we caught up on Creed II, uh, directed by Stephen Capel Jr. Um, so it needs to be said, uh, may as well give a little bit of background here, um, both Matt and I are essentially like rocky scholars i guess (laughs) Um, we have a very uh long history with the rocky franchise it's a series that's very near and dear to both of our hearts um no the entire series frontwards and backwards and uh this is the eighth installment in the entire rocky franchise i guess nuts and actually uh they keep getting better (laughs) in a lot of ways In, in a lot of ways yeah i mean I went into this movie with very low expectations. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, actually, I was dreading watching this, to be honest yeah. with you. It was the same feeling I felt going and seeing uh, Expendables 2. Yeah, um, that's what? actually, wow, that's a pretty apt description, because it, it, it's kind of that, like, oh, shit, we're doing this again? I don't know. <laughs> well, just to get right into it, it's like thinking about the original Creed movie. Like, It was a great idea, very well executed. I loved how it piggybacked right off of the Rocky Balboa movie, which honestly is probably my favorite um, to this day. Yeah, Um, I I think just some of the emotional points in that one just really hit home. And it only hits home, especially if you were a fan of the original five. And I love the backstory of it, of Stallone just not being content how that series ended and being encouraged by his wife to just basically do his routine of locking himself in a room and composing a script in 24 hours and coming up with this great thing that really did kind of put a nice little bow on a series. And then Creed was introduced where it was like kind of a, a relaunch, but they included Rocky Balboa, the character, mm-hmm. and used him to kind of establish Adonis Creed. And that, that's why I was dreading seeing this one because I felt like they covered everything in the first Creed. Uh, in terms of introducing a character, kind of, you know, making you aware that, like, Rocky's an old man now. He's not fighting anymore. Um, so here's your new character. Yeah, it's a very strong, self-contained narrative. And I think another reason why I was kind of coming into Creed Two with not the best of feelings in me was knowing that the first film was written and directed by Ryan Coogler. And yeah, for sure. The written aspect of it, to me, is the big, the big part of it. Like, knowing that he went into that project with something to say. And right. he said it very effectively. Um, he told a young, a young man's story. Um, and as the, as the Rocky series, you know, dragged on, I guess, uh, it became less and less about a relatable young man's story and kind of became about this, like, legendary mythic figure. So what Creed did was it kind of brought it back to Earth, I guess. Yeah, as did Rocky Balboa. Yes. It it very much kind of reminded you of who he was in the beginning and kind of who he wanted to be the whole time. Well, I love Um, that one quote where he's like, I believe if if you're in a place long enough, you become that place. mm -hmm. And that's very much what that story was. They attempted to, like, scratch the surface of that in Rocky V. It did so in a laughable fashion in a lot of ways. Uh, There's a lot of problems with Rocky V for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Rocky Five was a shit show, but the reality of Rocky Five is so much. You could tell that he really had something to say there. He just didn't execute it properly.
properly. No. In fact, you could argue a lot of what you saw in Creed was kind of what he, try, what he was trying to do in Rocky Five. I mean, a lot of it was like, you know, he mo- transitions into becoming the Mickey. You know, he's no longer in his prime. He no longer has any fights to fight. He's proven everything, but he's just a Philadelphia guy, and that's where he wants to live and breathe and die. <laughs> and, and that's part of the beauty of the Creed story comes in is uh like you said about rocky balboa it does put a really nice bow on rocky's story Mm -hmm. but that's not how life works right and so creed reintroduces him at this stage in his life where it's like all that shit in his basement has been worked out but all the people he loves are gone but he's still here so where does that leave him and when the the very heavy cancer arc comes into the story i know that was pretty devastating for me probably you too of course Uh, we talked about on a previous uh, podcast on a different show but uh when that arc starts to enter into things um it carries a lot of weight because at that stage in his life you could totally see rocky just going with it because he doesn't have much and so it becomes a story of two people kind of lifting each other up and finding like finding a in Rocky's case, a reason to carry on, and in Adonis's case, uh, kind of gives him a broader perspective on life, I guess. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I, I guess uh, the other part of it too that had me worried was the choice to have Ivan Drago's son involved in this one. Um, you know, Rocky. When you look back on it, like it is. The villain character got kind of comical about in the midway point there. Three and four in particular, like, you know, obviously the original Apollo Creed was just Muhammad Ali, you know, more or less. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get Clubber Lang, who is just a modern day Viking, essentially. (laughs) And then Ivan Drago, which was just the peak of a cartoon villain that, you know, I get, don't get me wrong. I love Rocky Four. No, Rocky Four is immensely watchable. Yeah, no, it's arguably one of the most watchable movies of all time. Yeah. just because everything is literally a montage. Yeah, the second half of it, especially, is montages back to back. It's music videos <laughs> or montage. I mean, the yeah. whole thing. So, I mean, it was a very much a product of its time. <laughs> But you can't not want to watch 10 minutes of it if yeah, it's on TV. Because you know that 10 minutes is going to be, you know, it's going to get your blood pumping. You're, you're going to want to go out back and chop some wood or something. Right. <laughs> but then, yeah, the, the thought to take a story like the original Creed movie and where it, it's a nice rounded tale all around. Like it, it's just a young man who already has just about everything you could want. But still has this desire to prove something, thus takes up boxing, thus, you know, creates his journey, blah, blah, blah. You get into the second one, now he's fighting for the title. Yeah, and it needs to be said, like, the conclusion of the first one, um, it very, it feels kind of like a standalone story. It feels like maybe there was some intention to leave it there, because in a lot of ways that's that's the core of his character is what you had said is that he he is somebody who comes from a healthy environment healthy background um he's he had he's of means like he's like a stock trader or something he's wealthy his family's doing fine uh throughout the course of that film he meets like the love of his life she supports him even though he doesn't win at the end of the film just like rocky 
at the end of that first film, he's doing well. And Rocky's pretty much handling his cancer. They're everybody's good. <laughs> like and that whole first film is basically about him like finding himself, like finding his center, like getting over that struggle that he's creating for himself with this specter of this father he never knew hanging over him all the time. And at the conclusion of that first film, it, it feels resolved, which is part of why I was concerned about the idea of a sequel. Cause no, like, same here. I, it's I was... like, hang on, why is, he, why is he backpedaling on that now? Yeah, what more does he have to prove exactly. at this point yeah. other than winning the title, which was the kind of the Rocky II deal? Uh, when, you know, again, you could say the same thing about the first Rocky, where it tells a complete story, it covers everything, it's a brilliant film. Yeah. Absolutely. And the sequel, more or less, was just kind of be like, hey, here's basically the same tale, only really dumbed down, and he wins at the end. Yeah, by the way, uh, mom hates Rocky too. <laughs> well, yeah, because she, she knew it was a cash grab then, and... <laughs> It, it will always be a cash no, grab. I always cause... thought that was so funny because Rock, the Rocky movies got played in our house quite often, especially around Thanksgiving time and stuff. And for some reason, like she always had it out for Rocky too. Like most people, traditionally, Rocky Five is the one that people shit on. But for some reason, Mom would always just roll her eyes whenever Rocky Two would come on, and her objection was that. Uh, Stallone's ego was too big and he was just mugging for the camera all the time and doing well, his shtick <laughs> I, I, I would agree because they made him so dumb yeah. like he went from being just this lovable palooka to just being like he's just so stupid no, he can't read yeah, he's, he's... he can't interact with people without making an idiot of himself like they dumbed him down so much well yeah and he, and... he lacked in the first one, he had what he has in the later films, especially Rocky Balbo and the Creed films, where he has those nuggets of wisdom that come out. But like the vocabulary and the delivery sounds like maybe he doesn't even understand how prof profound what he just said was. It's these beautiful little nuggets of wisdom that come out. And Rocky II is just, Tiger on my jacket, you know, I'm going to buy a motorcycle, it's going to be great. And I get what he was going for, because... One of the underlying things I'll say with all of the Rocky films, minus Rocky IV, mm. is that there is a... He really did try to tell a broad tale that encompasses so many fighters' lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, he really has touched... I mean, there's a reason he's in the Boxing Hall of Fame, Stallone is. is because he has represented boxing realistically for the most part minus going to russia and ending communism <laughs> by beating up a six foot seven you know ukrainian beast but outside of that everything else he did yes that it is true guys who typically make a little money in the ring oftentimes spend it like jackasses like he did in rocky too oh, yeah. or they make it and they hold a title for a while and then they fall apart when the money runs out or they just have a broken home life, or they carry around idiots like Polly with them their whole life and support those guys over their families. And I mean, there's so many things. And one of the things I've always loved with Rocky is it's very subtle. Yeah. And that's why I think Mom hated the most with Rocky too. Is <laughs> that's the only one where it's like just so in your face. Like, no, and here's where he's wasting all his money on stupid cars and jackets, and here's him buying a big ass ring and going to the zoo and proposing because he's got the tiger on his jacket. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, it was just. And again, the the end of the movie, everyone knew going in. It's yeah. like, why did you make this movie? Oh, so we get to see him win at the end. Exactly. Wonderful. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hadn't thought of that, though, how it's... Uh, platoon comes to mind, 
where Platoon often gets criticized uh, for the fact that the amount of action that that unit receives oh, yeah, is unrealistic. But it's meant to be the story of all of Everybody. Vietnam. <laughs> it's meant to be all of Vietnam told from the perspective of one group of guys. And in a lot of ways, yeah, Rocky's story over the years is kind of like every boxing... It touches, like, every major boxing story, like every major boxing art. Oh, even, like, subtle things. Like, I was really... I really enjoyed in Rocky Balboa how uh, Tarver's character, Antonio Tarver's character, was clearly out of shape. Yeah. And that they made that clear, like, here, the only reason he hasn't destroyed Rocky Balboa in the ring is because he's out of shape. Oh, and then he breaks his hand. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> that, those are literally the only two things that allow Rocky to hang with him. You know, even in this one, like, um, it begins with uh, Adonis Creed fighting for the title against Andre Ward. I don't know who uh, he was playing in it, some fictional character. Um, I think it actually starts with uh, Victor Drago. Uh, we get a really neat thing that sure. I, I love in, in movies. Where, mm-hmm. uh, I've, I've mentioned this before on many a podcast, where I, I love when you set up two 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 snakes facing each <laughs> other but they're one I, I love the idea of showcasing two characters um to tease a confrontation later in the story like for instance um the dark knight rises okay um, you get to see both batman and bane punch people groups of people independent of one another before they punch each other so it spells it out to you that what their capabilities are and why you should be interested to see them hit each other. Sure. And this movie does that. So like right from minute one, I was like, <laughs> where it's like, okay, our antagonist is introduced right off the bat. No words are spoken. We get to see him smash some dude. And then right after that, we get to see... Uh, the. Okay, I need to throw this out there now before you jack it from me. Because <laughs> I noticed this and I want it to be mine. Um... Creed 2, I feel, it covers Rocky 2, maybe even all the way through 5. Like, it covers all the major points. Yeah. And it's kind of awesome to see every major bullet point covered in a single film as opposed to, like, four. Yeah. So it's like, he wins the title at the beginning. Uh, there's a confrontation uh, in the middle. He has to get back that Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. He has to... You know, and communism. <laughs> oh yeah, and then there's an evil promoter involved, like in Rocky Five. Yes and no. <laughs> promoter is a big deal, and, and may as well just jump right into it because we have no structure to this thing here. But uh, mm. what was the name of the was it George Washington Duke? Yeah, I think so. Okay, in, in Rocky Five, so that was clearly just Don King. Oh, again, yeah. like yeah. I said, Stallone representing all parts of you know boxing. Like yeah. you know, you had to have this evil promoter. The promoter in Creed 2, I don't remember his name. I think he's Marcel something. Buddy, yeah, he's, Buddy he, Marcel, maybe? Yeah, that sounds familiar. He, he's in it a very little... Like, he's not featured very he's much. He's in, like, three scenes. But he's kind of a brilliant character, and he's the reason I believe that there will be a third one. Oh. Because the brilliance of his character is... he. You see him at the very end after I, in Drago's son, Victor, knocks the guy out. In he's, Ukraine. He's in the crowd. He's in the crowd applauding. And then immediately after Adonis Creed takes the title, which what I was going to say is he takes it from Andre Ward playing a washed up fighter. And it's made very clear by stupid Max Kellerman, who. Oh my for, God. His exposition awful. in this yeah. movie. He ruins everything. Oh like, my God. Every time Max Kellerman is talking in this movie, it's like, 
I get it, Max. I am watching the movie. He I won st- the title. He has avenged his father's death and proven that he is his own man. It's like, <laughs> no shit. Yeah, no, that was literally the plot, right? Whoever the fuck wrote Max Kellerman's script in this movie, my god. It's, it's like Ron Burgundy. It's like, if you put the words in front of him, he will read them. You need to understand, he's not going to embellish them at all. No, I, I've had a problem, actually, um, in every one of the later Rocky movies where they feature ESPN personalities in particular. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple, like Linda Cohn and does a fantastic job. Stan Van Pelt does a fantastic job. I know this because I watch ESPN all the time. Yeah. Uh, because they play it straight. They literally just report it as they would any other sports news story. Max Kellerman, you, could all, you can tell he's just so jacked to be a part of it that he just gets into it. And it's so cheesy because he, he takes it to this completely different level where he ruins so much of the subtlety of it. Especially because... What we've been kind of discussing, it's a very subtle movie for being a dumb boxing flick about two avenging sons fighting one another. I mean, they take it to new heights with this movie. Because, I mean, it needs to be said, I did thoroughly enjoy Creed 2. In fact, I think the quote that you threw out there when we were walking back to the car was, like, that had no business being as good as it was. No, it's true. <laughs> it didn't need to be good. It didn't it's... need to be that good. I would have been happy if, if they had done half of what they did. No, but here, here's my three... Th- my theory of three reasons why there's going to be a third one. Okay. And I think I think it ends with three just because I think Michael B. Jordan has bigger and better things ahead. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just think with the state of boxing, like just the interest isn't going to be there. Dude, this this is probably the second to last HBO boxing broadcast. This no, one, that, that's this, what I'm this, saying. This and this is literally, we saw this like... On the heels, wasn't it like the day after that horrible uh, draw, the heavyweight fight? Yes. That literally had a chance to kind of bring back interest, where it was one of the first fights where it's like, oh, we might actually see something that intrigues people again. we might have an undisputed American heavyweight champion. Yeah. Um, I mean, he clearly lost the fight, but... um, Regard, it ended in a draw, which again is... And nobody's happy with a draw. Exactly. And that's how many times has that happened now of recent memory of major fights? I get that you're trying to encourage the guys to end it in the ring, but come on. Yeah. Regardless, um, yeah, so it's the state of boxing. I I don't think you can get more than three out of this. The reason I think you'll get three is because that promoter, who's brilliantly introduced as representing Victor Drago immediately after Adonis Creed takes the title. And I love the fact that he takes the title from a washed-up fighter because, again, it suggests that, yes, he's... A good boxer but that doesn't make him an elite boxer he's not a legend like Rocky Balboa became he's a guy that has come into the sport where it's kind of on the downturn and he caught a guy at the right time mm-hmm. which you've seen countless great fighters be established that way so you have this Victor Drago who's only fought in Europe nobody knows him so this opportunist appears who's like hey that's the son of the guy who killed his dad this is going to make for good pay-per-view. He admits as much. Yeah. You know, he admits it's greasy, but he says, you know, hey, this is the state of our sport now. So the second you took the title, that's my shot at making some money off of this thing. Yeah. I know Stallone wrote a version of the script. I don't. I know it had somebody else's hands in it later, thankfully. Um, <laughs> but whoever wrote his dialogue did a very good job because part of what made his character so interesting was that he may come like he's meant to be portrayed as slimy in some way because he's a promoter in, in a in a rocky movie mm-hmm. but everything he's saying is true 
He's very, again, he's very subtle. He's not, the the logic behind it's greasy, like taking advantage of this horrible thing that occurred. But by that same token, like he's just, an, he just was smart enough to foresee that coming. Yeah. Which in this era, now that the world's smaller with the internet, like that's conceivable. Well, and, and that's and, a realistic new promoter. Like the old promoters had to draw attention themselves because, you know, that was the only way you could get a camera to pay attention to you. But now it's like you don't need to be in the forefront. In fact, a lot of the best like agents and things like that, nobody really knows anything about them because they do better work in the shadows. You <laughs> well, know? And in a dying sport in particular, it's not even really about who's the best anymore. It's mm-hmm. about personalities now. What it, sells? Like, for, yeah. What verbatim is pretty much what the guy said. It's, yeah. You need a, a narrative, basically, in order to sell a fight, which is very true. I mean, McGregor Mayweather is the shining example. I was going to say, it's arguably, was that the most ex- or profitable fight of all time? In any sport, as far as I know. <laughs> like, well, it, especially for boxing, and it wasn't even like, a contest. It was it was, it was a joke. A, it was a circus sideshow. It may as well have been Thunderlips versus Rocky Balboa. Like, it, it Very much so. But it was kind of interesting to see him having that conversation with Adonis Creed and, and have your, your protagonist reacting so negatively to him. But when you're actually listening to what's being said, it's like, holy shit, he's right. And... From his perspective, he's just trying to get everyone rich. <laughs> well, and I, I also love that because, again, you're taking a character in Victor Drago where, you know, in, initially when you see it coming in the movie, you're kind of like, how the fuck does this guy get a title fight? It's like he's fighting nobodies in this remote part of like, the Ukraine. Yeah, it's like a gym that he has to drive 30 miles to get to. <laughs> right, and it's like, and now all of a sudden you're going to throw this guy a shot, and it's like, well, no, that's... This guy has been scouting him. He intentionally held him kind of back, knowing that this was going to happen because he saw Adonis have his previous fight. Again, brilliantly set up in the sense that he fought the British guy. Not a very memorable villain, I'll say. But, oh, uh, yeah, he was kind of a disappointment. It was, yeah, him... Some uh, of the villains in recent memory have really been lacking. So, but. yeah. Uh, Ricky Conlon, I think, was the character's name, played by Tony Ballou, who's a light heavyweight cruiserweight. Um he was, I think, the the least of the Rocky antagonists. Um, but again, set up where he went to jail for a gun charge, yeah, and then just like was in, coming just like out of jail. He Mason was, Dixon, he's handicapped in some fashion. Exactly, but the, it makes it understandable how this amateur boxer in Adonis Creed can all of a sudden hold his own with this guy. Yeah, and kind of same with Victor Drago. It's like, yeah, he's basically a. a amateur boxer well, but the way rocky describes him when when the contest inevitably gets put pushed through um he describes him as very raw mm-hmm. as just like pure athlete basically just yeah big strong yeah that's about it <laughs> so i mean what happens next is very very obvious very predictable creed agrees to fight you know drago they jump right into it Drago yeah. wipes the floor with him. Rocky refuses to have anything to do with it. Now Creed's been humbled. Yeah, he gets Rocky threed. Um, yeah. Except without Mickey dying or whatever. Um, f- little detail here. Not even little, actually. This jumped out at me. It was, um, I think Adonis Creed was a light heavyweight in the first film. He was, yeah. And now he's a heavyweight and nobody's making a big deal about that? It's like... How many people have made that jump? <laughs> Not many. Well, again, I think it was kind of implied that he was just right opportunity approached. I, um, get, I guess it's just like 
I mean, speaking from the perspective of a boxing fan, people that weigh 175 pounds don't make it up to, you know, 200 plus very often as athletes. And it's kind of a big deal. And also, not only that, his opponent was also a light heavyweight at the time, and somehow he magically moved up in weight also. So Andre Andre Ward's character played uh, Danny Stuntman Wheeler. Right, yeah. And I thought that was so funny seeing him lose, because in real life he never has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was like, what? what? What's going on here? Something's wrong with this picture. <laughs> but Andre Ward was such a, a good parallel too to Adonis Creed. Like the one negative thing I would have about Adonis Creed as a character is there's not a lot to him. Like he's very just kind of there. Like he's an amazing athlete. He, you know, shows a tremendous amount of heart, but like it's there's not a lot that goes on. And you know, and arguably that was partially because Rocky was featured a bit too much, I think, in the first Creed movie. I like, think in this one too, maybe even more so. Yeah, and he, when he does appear, he overshadows him. Just cause, And again, you're competing with so many more movies, a personality behind him, and also a, a guy who's kind of playing himself at this point on some level. Where, yeah. you know, or at the very least nature. channeling somebody from the neighborhood that is very, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing in Stallone's character versus, you know, Michael B. Jordan, who he's, he's playing, you know, like you said before, like he's an established guy who has his whole life ahead of him. Boxing's just a chapter in his life. Well, he's, and, to me, he's the, like, consummate, like, millennial. <laughs> Where it's like, uh, he's, he's a young man who everything's fine, but when it's, when it's too fine is when he gets anxiety and his reaction is to lash out. And, yeah, and agree. And pick a fight with something. I, I, I agree with you completely. I was going to say, too, the other thing I really enjoy about that component of him, though, of not being this braggadocious, like, loud character is, again, he's Apollo Creed's son, but he never knew Apollo Creed. Yeah. So it is kind of, like, neat seeing this guy who's clearly his own man. Like, he didn't grow up and become like they often do with children in the movies where you're a mirror image of, you know, the father instantly, you know, we're just replacing you in skin type basically. And that's it. Like, no, this guy is clearly his own person. Yeah. Is what I'm going to say. And he's his own person. And I like that he's largely centered for the most part, except he has these breakdowns that to me come across as almost kind of bratty in some ways, but it, it cements him as, as a young, as a young man's character. Whereas, but whereas Rocky was always basically an adult who never had those moments, except for you know a couple of emotional breakdowns here and there. But this character has conflict; like he lashes out at the people he loves and creates conflict around him. But for the most part, his baseline is to be just kind of ordinary. It's in fact like that braggadocious side only seems to come out when he's fighting. Which again is I like that yeah, no, he it, has it feel, that it feels edge to him versus you know Rocky who had his own like come on come on well you he, know, but, he usually has that kind of like oh shucks kind of demeanor <laughs> yeah but like you know it's it's refreshing seeing a guy who actually lands one and you know yeah I mean Rocky comes out to high hopes and <laughs> and Adonis Creed comes out to whatever is his wife's music <laughs> which got better this time around it did, yeah it was fucking terrible in that yeah first the movie. first one was really i'm bad. sorry I, for all the people who enjoyed that i no i it, couldn't it, stand it it was really bad <laughs> um yeah but he's oh, um one point i wanted to make about andrea ward um 
I'm glad that they brought him back mm-hmm. uh, because there was a thread there that you could have abandoned, but I actually kind of enjoyed that they brought it back and, and wrapped it up in a neat little boat because mm-hmm. the big thing with him wasn't wasn't Andre Ward. It wasn't Danny Wee- Stuntman Wheeler. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> cares about him and the fact that he stole his car or whatever. The important part was the fact that his trainer was Tony du- was Duke's son, another son. Which is my second point for why I think they're going to make a third movie. Okay. Because Wood Harris is a great actor. He really is. And to cast him for a role that's really minimal as well. In both movies, yeah. Yeah. And I think this one, it was a little more clear that, like, you know, this is Duke's kid. Like, you know, remember Duke? He's, yeah. If you're a fan of the series, you remember Duke. You remember yeah. Duke. The yeah. most passionate man on the planet. Yeah. Throw the damn town! <laughs> Stay away from him. <laughs> no, love Duke, but I, I think too, like having him, like because again, what we're setting up for now is like Rocky is no longer really the big part of it. Like he's he's Mickey in this one. Yeah, he's Mickey in that you know he's the father figure more or less. That even his demeanor, like mm-hmm. he he feels smaller, and um, there's instances where Adonis lashes out at him that feel eerily similar to Mickey and Rocky, like in their more cagey moments. Well, it's it's very much a similar setup where it's like once Rocky made it, you know, and you have this guy. I guess the biggest, most obvious one is that how Rocky is always trying to kind of protect him. He's like, you know, because again, like I say, he won a title off a washed up fighter. And now he wants to fight this Victor Drago who literally has nothing to lose and was more or less implied that he was bred to be this avenging figure for his dad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he literally says no words in the whole movie. He's basically just a, a human version of a dog. Like, yeah, that's how I described him. He's, yeah. he's a puppy. <laughs> literally. Like, like he, he's mute. He just destroys things. Yeah. You know, because at the encouragement of his father is... Yeah. No, he's, he's, very, he's basically a dog. Um, and I guess we'll get into that more. But yeah, I mean, he speaks a little bit. Like, what? He has one minor outburst. <laughs> he, yeah, he he speaks like three sentences in English, and then he has a minor outburst in Russian with his dad. And I think that's it. <laughs> the rest of the time, he just goes <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> no, but uh, I I guess Rocky, you know, he he wants to protect Adonis. He wants to. Remind and he's him, estranged from his son, his, which is a huge son. again tied to that Mickey thing, though, where it's like Mickey you want, doesn't have anybody. Well, they never really got into Mickey's backstory, and in this case, it's it's interesting because you're seeing a new generation, the new fighter Creed, where you actually know the backstory of the trainer so well. Mm-hmm. But now you've seen this guy Rocky Balboa, who's you know he had everything, and he's kind of let a lot of it slip in the as the years have passed, and. And there's very, it's an underlying thing. They're not as, they don't have Max Kellerman screaming at you what you're supposed to be experiencing, but there's a lot of that sense of like how Rocky can really relate to Creed because they have that warrior mentality. Like he, if you've experienced that and you have the, the sense of the routine down of being a boxer and, you know, he just, that's his world. He's comfortable. That's his, his go-to. I mean, that's, Literally, the plot of Rocky Balboa is that's his happy place he needs to be in. Yeah, I mean, he's it's therapy in, yeah. Rocky, in Rocky Balboa. And I really loved in the the scene preceding uh, the fight with uh, Andre Ward in the locker room, mm-hmm. um, the dressing room, rather. Um, 
I love the body language between the two of them. They're both kind of rocking back and forth, and that's where you can see Rocky going to his happy place. And you see that with X fighters, where they they they're, yeah they're watching the sport and they can't help but like just move a little bit. And that's Rocky doesn't know much, but Rocky knows boxing. And again, the the major beats of this film cover the major beats of Rocky's life just transposed onto a younger man. But that's, and, cr- and yeah, you can see him trying to offer counsel. Cause it's like, I've been down each and every one of these roads, you know, it's like, I got beat up by Mr. T. It kind of sucked, but I beat him a second time. <laughs> like, and like, I'm sure like if, if we're treating everything that happened in those films as canon, like seeing a young man win a title and think he's on top of the world and think he's invincible and have a big scary challenger come up it's like you know i had this happen once before and it didn't go so hot (laughs) well and also too it's remembering where it's a generational thing because now you're talking about a guy like you had mentioned earlier rocky rocky's career begins with him breaking thumbs for a living and all he's got as an escape from that life is boxing and he gets this lucky dumb shot that falls in his lap and he runs with it yeah but now he's training this guy who, you know, he had a rough childhood, very rough childhood, who w- escaped by good fortune and didn't need to enter this world. No. But now he wants to fight a guy who, again, going, he's coming from a world that you can't relate to. All this guy knows is an escape is through that ring. He will destroy anything in his way for that reason. And he's trying, you know, Rocky's trying to relay that to him, but... You know, he's not so good when yeah, it comes the, to the connection. The strong message going in, and the, and the message that I was hoping that they would carry into it, and they did, is uh, the difference between want and need. Mm-hmm. Adonis is a character of wants. Victor Drago is a character of needs. Exactly. And I think, too, like, I love, like you had mentioned, it, it does go back to the old Rocky movies, and I feel like, especially in this one, they... they made up for so many parts of Rocky V. Like, Rocky V was the one where it's kind of showing him not having the best relationship with his kid. Yeah. Because he can relate more to the fighter he's training, and he's just... It's easier for him to to touch on that. And in this, they do it in an even better way, because you thought that him and his kid would be all made up after Rocky Balboa. In fact, they grew even further apart. Because, again, he latched on this Creed kid... Which gave him something. One of the subtle thing, you know, I keep saying that, but it's it's true. I feel like there's a lot of things, and maybe this is me reading too much into it, but I love that every time you see Rocky in his restaurant, the place looks dead. Yeah. Because it gives you this sense that he doesn't need that. Like he's financially he's secure. He doesn't need the money. Mm-hmm. And by showing the restaurant being dead, it gives you the sense he doesn't need to be there. No. But he needs a routine because he's that's all he's known his whole life. And he falls into it, and that's why he's not in touch with his son. It's easier for him to pick up the phone and call and complain to the city about a burnt-out street lamp, which he does apparently every week, because it's the <laughs> biggest... You know, he's an old man now. That's the most pressing thing in his life. That was awesome, by the way. It, it, it's brilliant, because it's yeah. so true. It's like he has no problem calling the city and complaining and being on a first-name basis with the customer service agent he always is complaining to. But he can't call his kid. Who has a grandson now like he can't muster the courage to do that because it's just such a foreign thing for him yeah and he no longer has adrian that's the other thing that i like is you know she always was kind of this major guiding light for him and now she's been gone for some years like he's really kind of losing that part because he just he's in his own hyper masculine world that 
you know he just doesn't get that like it really isn't that hard you just gotta put yourself out there a little you know no i i really i noticed the restaurant thing too and that that was really neat i the one of the most beautiful things about all the rocky movies it's all the rocky movies are like a warm blanket like, mm-hmm. it just feels so cozy slipping into these movies and part of the reason for that is the continuity yeah is incredible like to be able to get these locations and these people every fucking time it's amazing and to have the exact same restaurant that we've seen before mm-hmm. is great and to see it empty like that uh, does a lot to show a passage of time yes like it shows that hey it's not exactly as it was last time you saw it. <laughs> well, yeah, because especially the first time we're introduced to it in Rocky Balboa. It's that, doing fine. But it's doing fine because he's showing up every day and he's going to every table and telling and stories. about putting him. on his jacket. Yeah, and, and he's talking about fighting all these great things. And you, clearly most of our neighborhood people just like that whole experience. Yeah, by, by the way, Paulie was still alive at the time, too. Right. Right, but now that's what I'm saying is like now that's been removed. Like he's got some staff who have probably been there for years. Yeah, I like, think it was the same lady that was pregnant in Rocky Balboa. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I yeah. mean, that the way these movies have been, yeah. Yeah, Spider. Right. <laughs> Spider Rico in the, in the kitchen. That was amazing. <laughs> no, but that's that's very much it. Is like you know you get the sense that like that's the closest he can get to this connection now is if he's not around Adonis, it has to be in just this environment where he gets up early. He goes about his business. He goes through all the preparation. And, you know, again, it's at the cost of not having this connection, mm-hmm. which I guess is so cool, I think, to me, seeing with Adonis's character arc in this movie, where he gets humbled by Victor Drago. And he gets thoroughly humbled, by the way. Well, it, it, that, that again... Hosp- that hospital scene was quite effective. Agreed. And and the way they set it up, too, I liked where, again, they, they utilize elements of boxing where it's like he got disqualified, so he retains the belt. <laughs> yeah, Victor Drago, uh, Roy Jones is him. Mm-hmm. If I recall, Roy Jones Jr., his first loss was a DQ in that same way. Oh, he destroyed the guy. Yeah, yeah no, he, he, he destroyed he... the guy, and on his way down, he hit him one too many times. In this case, Adonis is clearly on his knee. Yeah. And Victor takes... Drago, who has his father, Ivan urging him to basically murder this kid <laughs> like um he gets a little out of control and he slips him a nice uppercut when he's on one knee and it leads to a dq so he gets to so the title is preserved and he doesn't lose <laughs> I, I was gonna say i we shouldn't shit on drago too much in the sense that it, he doesn't want him to murder him it's just he's looking so far past him because i ivan drago's character arc is that after Rocky beat him in Russia, he lost everything. Yes. And was essentially banished to the Ukraine uh, to, you know, he had everything you could possibly want. So, yeah, he and, had he had the blessing of an entire nation behind him. He was a superstar. He had a arguably super hot boy. <laughs> if you're into that. Um, and, yeah, following the loss to Rocky Balboa on his home turf... Uh, he lost the support of the USSR. Uh, his wife, uh, Ludmilla, she left him. And uh, he got stuck with raising uh, Victor. And uh, Victor is his instrument to... It's not... As far as I can tell, it's it's more about um, reclaiming glory rather than revenge. 
Well, and it's supposed to be a big contrast to to Rocky. Like we were just saying, he had his little restaurant where people love to be regaled with the tales of his in-ring stuff. And he's he's a legend over there, in, in particular in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And so there's even the scene where Ivan Drago comes to Philly and sees how he's perceived there. And the statues out front, the art museum. And, and he's pissed. Like he even makes a point to mention, like, you got all these pictures of all your great fights, but you don't have me, you yeah. know. And... and I love that scene just because that's the first time you actually see Rocky actually having kind of a negative attitude towards yeah, he's a hostile. former. Because almost all of the other guys, like he, you know, he kind of has this like, "Hey, we're old now; it's all water in the bridge." But no, he actually hates Ivan Drago, and it, he gave him brain damage, and he killed his friend. <laughs> right, but I mean, just saying, like seeing this happy-go-lucky guy, you forget that, like, no, he actually can hate too. Like, it was kind of interesting. I did. I really liked that scene. Yeah. Um, damn, Dolph can he can act if you if you get him just right, I guess. Because most of the time, no. But um, I mean, maybe the accent helped because it covers his his natural English act, his Swedish English accent. But good scene because I did like seeing Rocky. He didn't even sit down for the most part. Yeah, no, like, he and, he won nothing to do with him. Like he was pissed the second he realized who it was. Yeah, and I did like I was very pleased with the portrayal of the Dragos in this film. All of them, even the wife. Um, yeah, which I actually thought was a great cameo. That I popped for that, <laughs> <laughs> like no joke. I was like, "Oh shit, they got her!" Yeah, they especially got given Stolo, her Stolo's ex-wife, right? <laughs> Holy shit! But not doesn't it's not doesn't carry nearly as much weight given her like reality TV career yeah, that has days. happened in between. But still, it was kind of neat to be like, "Oh wow, you, you managed to bring her back and... again." The continuity—it's kind of amazing. Just just to see her. Yeah. And she doesn't even really speak. She says, she has a couple lines, but just like in Rocky Four, those cutaways to her in the crowd and stuff were very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, good editing. But yeah, Drago's exchange with Rocky in the restaurant, like he he has a bug up his butt because I think he he says like of oh, Rocky Balboa, like people people know you, people talk about you. Back home, nobody talks about Drago. Yeah, and, and you know this is a guy who at one point was the shiny example of his nation's pride mm-hmm. and suddenly overnight it becomes a nobody right and it's it, it goes without saying that yes uh, he's basically chiseled his son into an instrument to basically get it all back mm-hmm. and there's a lot of, there's a lot of use of like body language and things of, of that nature and like clever angles to demonstrate that when when like the the good life starts to come into the picture for the Dragos for father and son you can tell that like Ivan's like really feeling it <laughs> like, like when they go to the fancy dinner and like even during their entrance like you can tell that like Ivan's like yep this is what this is what we're doing this for whereas Victor always seems kind of aloof and uncomfortable well that's because Victor's never experienced it and I thought Ivan... it was really beautiful like I'm skipping way ahead but the uh, his his entrance his ring walk at mm-hmm. the end of the film it's like, oh shit, he lost the eye of the tiger. <laughs> because he's he has that like wide-eyed, confused look about him where it's like the spectacle is completely foreign to me. Yeah, well, he's also coming into a fight now where he's expected to win. Mm-hmm. You know, where his, he's been the underdog his whole life. That's literally what's been fueling him. Is that well, he's, he's been told by his father that like the the shittiness of our lives and and this is me telling you son that our life is shitty by the way yeah your perspective doesn't matter 
your life sucks because that's how I feel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's just leave it at that. No, (laughs) you're right. And it's brilliant because honestly, again, because he has a personality of a puppy dog, like he honestly seems totally content with his life, which is just getting up and working hard and, you know, living in a cramped little apartment. Yeah, but getting, getting punched awake by his father. <laughs> but he seems happy. Like, he... he I don't know about happy, but he seems just complicit. Or he's just, like, what... He just goes with the flow. Yeah, okay. He's not happy, but he's not, <laughs> like... he's He doesn't think it's the end of the world like his dad does. I'll yeah. say that. Like, yeah. he doesn't feel like everything's shitting on him every day. <laughs> so no, should... but then... All of this is setting up the brilliant character arc with Adonis Creed, yeah. who at this point now he proposes, he's going to be married, and finds out he's going to have a kid. Yeah, in that order, by the way. Yeah, literally. <laughs> That's very important to know. But it, it, it's... Again, it's a young man's story. <laughs> young 21st century man's story. But like one of the, the great, I mean, so many wonderful scenes, but like there's a, that fantastic scene where now the baby's come. And he's sitting at home and his wife is like, hey, I'm going to leave for a little bit. I got to go to the music studio or whatever. And you clearly see that this is the first instance that all of a sudden he's all alone with the responsibility of being a dad. And it's brilliant just because that's, again, this is a guy who doesn't need a box. He doesn't need anything. He's literally living outside his mom's mansion where he got his own place in the heart of LA. His wife's an aspiring, actually borderline successful musician. She's she's signed. Like she, she's actively working in LA. Yeah. He's just been humbled in the ring, but now he has this beautiful daughter. Like he really doesn't need anything more, but this is the chance where it's like, he gets proof that he's a man and he proves that he's a man by being a damn good dad. And I love that. Because even his mom, like, he has the confrontation with her where he's kind of trying to, like, explain where he's at mentally after being completely dismantled in the ring and having this dark cloud over him, which only a, a fighter who's experienced that can really experience. And and she tells him straight up, it's like, no, it's you're going to have to work through that on your own. This is where you prove that you're a man. And in the past, in the old Rocky movies, you prove that by going out, you beat the bad guy in the ring. This, it's less about that. It's like the decision to be a dad, the decision to be prioritize your family over anything. And if you're going to go into the ring, you're going to do it with everybody in your corner. So you, at the very least, you can say that you got that out of your system. Yeah. Um, I think that's where one of the major differences between Rocky and Adonis comes in. Right. And, and one, one of the differences between them that is very interesting. Mm-hmm. is that Rocky is shown to be a good person first, first right. and foremost, even better than a fighter. He's, he has a heart of gold. Mm-hmm. He's a very lovable, affable guy. So when, when the subject of him having a child comes up, there's there's no thought about it. It's just like, yeah, he'll be a pretty good dad. <laughs> like, like, well, whereas yeah, Adonis, every, every instance we've seen him is he has moments of being very selfish and self-centered. Uh, he has emotional outbursts on the regular he doesn't seem like he'd be a very good fo- he doesn't seem like he'd be very good at maintaining relationships in general right because every time people get close is when he gets when he flips his shit and starts getting weird and angry and wants to hit things and, and so to see him alone with the kid one of the best things they did with the editing was they slowed it down mm-hmm. is they let that breathe like they they kind of stick you with him and that baby for a few minutes and it's 
it feels long, I guess, but I think it was necessary because no, like, I we, think they got the anxiety perfectly because, uh, because it really spells it out to you that it's like this is probably more nerve wracking for him than to fight. Like, oh if, yeah, <laughs> no, like, he would rather fight anybody. Yeah, like, and, and you get to see him try every trick in the book, and and it, I really like when he took the baby to the gym because. <laughs> it solidifies that theme that's like this is his home like this is where he feels more mm-hmm. comfortable he, he takes a fucking baby to an empty gym so he, so he can hit the heavy bag because he's trying to relieve his anxiety not the baby's right and it doesn't really work out for a minute but then it does <laughs> and yeah it's it's that moment it's adrian showing up on the beach in rocky three or in the cabin in rocky four uh, you know the family unit coalesces at that point and, it, it's, and, and especially the contrast to rocky and his estranged son and apollo who never had anything to do with adonis and ivan who's kind of thrown away any sort of relationship with this kid to just basically treat him like he's his protege hey, hey, you know he spends a lot of time with that kid <laughs> like, I mean, I'll go give him that. Give him that, but it's I a mean, very... He, he could have hobbies. He could do other things with his life. No, he spends it all with his kid. <laughs> but it's extremely distant. Well, it's... He, he drives behind him in a van. Right. <laughs> behind him, and then he pushes on the accelerator <laughs> and chases him. I love that shot of Victor looking back like, the like, motherfucker speeding up? <laughs> no, but it's such an important... Thing to portray this guy where he, it, it's a different take on ma- masculinity it's a modern day one which it's, again taking a very mas- hyper masculine tale like Rocky Balboa which is it's, it's peeling back the layers that you know in, in a Rocky story there's no need to peel them back because Rocky's a very transparent person mm-hmm. he doesn't have he doesn't put on a mask when he's dealing with people whereas mm-hmm. Adonis is all about putting on a strong putting on a brave front and then in his quieter moments is you see his insecurities and stuff see i would argue that like in these ones you start to see rocky putting on that mask for the first time like i said he reminds me so much more of mick and that now he's starting to see that there's just differences and that like things he can't relate to and he's you know he has his two cents to offer but there's not a lot to it beyond just kind of like yeah you'll do great like you know there's so I, I get a lot of the sense with Rocky. It's like this is the first time where he's so used to just kind of knowing what to do, and now he's lost. Well, like he's it, an old man. It's you know is yeah. It, I think one of the weaker parts of this movie is a pre and post first Drago fight. Mm-hmm. Is a, the justification for why he wasn't ready for Drago? Everybody keeps telling him don't do it. It's it's very reminiscent of Rocky Four and. Right. Rocky Three, uh, where Mickey's telling Rocky like he's a wrecking machine. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't come across as logical for the most part because it's like I don't quite understand why it's so why everybody universally agrees that you're going to lose to this guy because you are the heavyweight champion of the world and you know you have demonstrated that you're capable. So like the logic there's a little fuzzy, but those conversations, um, like the broad strokes of them thematically. I really liked hearing those words come out of Rocky, mm-hmm. where Adonis is like getting pretty aggro with him, and like he wants he wants truth from Rocky, but Rocky doesn't have the tools to give it to him. Mm-hmm. So they have the Rocky Three Mickey conversation where he's like trying to tell him that's like I'm basically trying to tell you you're gonna lose, but I'm too nice to say that. 
but I'm really shitty at lying. So it, <laughs> so it comes across as like you, I have no confidence in you and it's threatening to mm-hmm. Adonis. Like it's, that's like the ultimate no, no is you're right. basically telling him he's not man enough to, to win that fight. Right. Which is exactly what you don't want to tell someone of that nature. Cause that's exactly what they'll try to do is prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what he's all about. <laughs> <laughs> got his face smashed in for it. <laughs> no, there's, there's periods where it, because you're right, like in those stretches, it's very rushed. It's very Like rushed the lead up to the first Drago fight is very just like, you, by the time you catch on what's going on, they're already in the middle of the ring. Well, and he's already wearing the shorts and he's already like... Yeah, there's no training montage. Basically, Rocky says, I'm not going to train you. And he goes to Duke, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Stuntman, Wheeler's trainer. Right. <laughs> uh, in the first Creed movie, he tried to get Duke to train him. Yeah. Uh, but he refused. Um, so he goes to him and this time he accepts and then I think we just fade to black and we're in the arena um, but then again uh, there is mention of uh, of that being the reason why he loses so dramatically is that uh, he took it on short notice or something not necessarily short notice but right after winning the title uh, it's pretty quick turnaround time <laughs> to face someone who's probably 50 pounds heavier than you <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean the the middle portion of most Rocky movies is usually the weak point. Yeah, this one in particular, like just the build up, or the build up and the the cool down after that first fight was a little flimsy. Well, and then you had like the the half ass Mister Holland's opus with the uh, you know the daughter being born and they're worried that she might be deaf. You beat me to it. Yeah, the fear <laughs> that like oh his wife's a musician and they're. Degenerative hearing loss. Child may not never hear the music she, but it doesn't carry the same weight because his wife literally has the cochlear implant, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, well, yeah, it may have passed along, but you are a living example that you can still find a way to hear if that's desperately needed, or you can perfectly live your life as a deaf person and uh, that, not that, lose that's anything. That's a fun little detail that if, and I'm sure they are going to make a third one. Um, It'd be kind of cool to see him signing with his daughter and stuff. Yeah, I really hope they do. And the one thing I think could derail it, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I predicted this the last time we talked about Rocky, their Creed movie, is I think we will see the death of Rocky Balboa. I think I felt that way after seeing the cancer scare in the first Creed movie. And I think the way with this one, how he kind of goes, like how it's very clear that he's been pushed aside at this point. Again, he's the Mickey role. Like he's not, there's really not a lot. If you're coming into this, because again, these movies aren't being made for guys like you and me who have seen all of them and know every bit of it. These are made for new people being introduced to a similar character, but in a new environment, in a new era. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who only know Creed, and Rocky Balboa just happens to be his goofy old trainer guy. Yeah. And he was pushed away even further in this. And there's the very because we all know how this ends. Like, you know, of course he's going to get the fight. He, he you know, goes through. He beats Victor Drago convincingly at the very end with Ivan throwing in the towel in a very touching moment. Because oh, that was it's beautiful. That was always the thing with Rocky. You know, he never threw in the towel with Apollo Creed. Max Kellerman we, makes sure you know that. Oh, he, yes. <laughs> yes. He reminds you like eight uh, different times. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I love that scene. It's great because it it's it's very human. It's it's the realization where he loves his son more than he loves any of the glory that could have been returned, and that he actually, 
is reminded of everything that goes into creating a prize fighter. It's yeah. not just, you know. Yeah, and credit to uh, Florian Monteanu, uh, Romania's best, Big Nasty. Big Nasty, yeah. <laughs> um, credit to him. His uh, his physical acting in the movie is very good. In, in, that, in that scene when he's upset that his father threw in the towel Mm -hmm. their exchange with each other is very good we're like ivan's like trying to embrace him but he like won't let him for a second he feels like he let him down yeah no he that's his world his entire world is wrapped around uh doing what his father asks him to do and getting it right (laughs) well not only that but like mom left us because you lost and i lost Oh my or, God, yeah. it's happening again. <laughs> but you see that that part of Ivan Drago just melt away in that moment. Yeah, where it's he's, a beautiful moment. It really is. And it's wonderful acting on Dolph's part, as funny as that sentence is. I know. Is <laughs> <saying>. <laughs> like, but he really does. Like He becomes a dad in that moment of just being like, look, you know, you, you gave it your best. Like He, he just beat you here. Yeah. Like, life goes on. And But yeah, all I was saying before is that, like, these movies, a lot of people are only going to know just Creed. Then they're going to know the second one where there's that shot where Rocky Balboa, you know, tells Adonis, no, you go in the ring and celebrate. This is your moment. And he's sitting in the chair and it has, you know, the the screen like you see Creed backlit over him yeah. sitting and observing from afar. And, and again, it's suggested like this is new era, new fighter. And third one, I think, would be a great send-off just for this mythical figure that is Rocky Balboa. After after those grand sweeping farewell gestures, though, on the part of the cinematographers and the editors, though, like, would you put him back in the movie or would you just have him die off screen? I, I would have him die in the very beginning. I would too, but like, I feel like from a visual standpoint, from a visual storytelling standpoint, they already said goodbye. Like, just the symbolism of him walking, crossing the threshold into his son's home, like... And well, no, they, they wrapped it... And that's my biggest concern for them not doing one, is I, I wonder about Stallone. Because there's parts of Stallone that... And you've alluded to this, that, you know, he, he had a part in writing all this stuff, and he has his own opinions, and sometimes... I, I feel like I, I need to write a book called Stallonisms, because... There are some quirks that show up in his movies that could not have come from anyone else. Well, and there's times where we also forget that this guy's a super hardliner, like, right-wing guy that was <laughs> almost appointed to be, like, head of media by the president. Yes, so, yeah. like, he's has his own opinions. Like, his opinion of Russia is very clear in this movie. I'll yeah. just say that. Like, his views on communism, his views not on... Not what you call progressive. <laughs> yeah, so I just... It re- I get the sense, and maybe this is just me from growing up the way we did watching the things we watched, but it reminds me so much of wrestlers, where you see the guy who's like the old guy, old dog who knows he's supposed to go out on his back and lift up the newcomer like in the process, and they do it, and they do it with a smile on their face, but you get the sense they're just not fucking happy about it. Yeah, WrestleMania 18, Hulk Hogan and The Rock. That was yeah. how many years ago and how many episodes of TNA did Hulk Hogan do after that? <laughs> right, and it's just, I wonder if he's really... How many people did Triple H bury? <laughs> and again, maybe this is just me reading too much into it, but there were certain parts of like how that... Creed 2 ends where 
as touching as they are, you kind of get the sense he's not too happy about really obviously not being... Well, even his delivery on the line of, like, it's your moment, like, his, that's what, his face is kind of like... That's Arr! what I mean, like, it's it's very, like, and even the way he's sitting when they backlight Creed over him, like, it's kind of... Yeah, I better be getting paid for this shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do wonder if he's going to find a way to fuck it all up. We'll just I, say it. I hope not. Um, personally, I think, I think I'd like to see him him die via phone call, or something like that. Where like create like Adonis is like at a high point in life or something. It's like Unk died, or like his yeah. Maybe the wife answers the phone. Maybe Bianca answers the phone. She's like, your uncle died, and he's just like, oh. And then dun, dun, dun. well, no, <laughs> no, 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 because not too fast there because they actually didn't really feature the theme. They did not. They um, only had the, the part of the chorus, and that's only during the training montage. Oh, okay, we're talking music. I need to say this. Maybe two of the music cues in this movie are some of the best in the series. Really? Holy shit. Like, maybe it's because of the theater experience, but... Um, I like... Oh, another parallel to the Rocky movies. Um, two training montages back-to-back. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's the... Rocky Three training montage where he sucks the first montage and then <laughs> and then the second one he's got it so it's like okay now we're hearts on fire black edition <laughs> and, uh, yeah the second training montage when when the Creed choir kicks in mm-hmm. when he's running on the road that was pretty fucking badass and I, that, I didn't love that but I also love too the reminder of the first Creed movie where it kind of uh because that's the moment when he endears himself to Philly, too. Yeah, when, he's... when the guys on the quads are mm-hmm. going along with him. Ah! <laughs> and he's doing the rage run. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. The, the other one, though, was uh, going the distance. Mm. As soon as that shit kicked in, the first few notes of it hit. I popped so hard. <laughs> like, so the the uh, conclusion of the fight. May as, yeah. well, may as well talk about the fight. Um the boxing scenes in this movie are very good. I was just going to say, real. let me cut you off. I was, this one, maybe I'm wrong here, but this one, they actually filmed it like a movie, right? Versus yeah. it, what Rock, they had Rocky. been doing, which was filming it more like in a live event and choreographing it, you know, in the midst of a real fight, right? It's, it, yeah. Um, so, like, they would secure a venue that was hosting a live event. Right. Uh, using HBO's crews and maybe even their camera setups. Because I'm pretty the, sure it was the cameras. Cause, um, yeah. I, it was to save money because Rocky Balboa was a, I don't know if it was independent, but it was a very cheap film. And yeah. It, it looks it for sure. <laughs> like the, the digital cameras they use don't give it a good look. Sure. <laughs> it looks like later Michael Mann movies where it's like, <laughs> yeah, this takes place in the 1920s where we had 8K digital cameras. <laughs> it's like, uh, what the fuck? Anyway, um, yeah, the, the fighting in Rocky Balboa, the, the angles mm-hmm. and the style of editing is meant to mirror that of an HBO broadcast. They even have, like, the clock and the, and the timer yeah. and stuff. And, okay. of course, the same commentators. Uh, Creed, they did away with that. And the big gimmick, well, it's not a gimmick, um, was that they did a couple of the fights in one take. And that yeah, was incredibly that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and around this time is when the one take has kind of been in vogue. And mm-hmm. Still is to this day. <laughs> it's getting a little tiresome, but it's always awesome to see. This one, though, uh, pretty straightforward in the way everything was shot. 
but just visceral as fuck. Yeah. Where everything had a nice snap to it. Everything, like, the sound in the theater <laughs> was, like, fucking amazing. Uh, but, yeah, like, they do a couple of first-person angles, but for the most part, it's just really tight. It, it gives you the feel of, like, almost a video game. I like, too, that in this one, like, very clear differences in fighting styles that are very apparent, uh, which is something we haven't really seen uh, usually it's just two guys standing in front of each other just smashing each other yeah this one you clearly have the more agile fighter the more you know powerhouse and kind of it was neat seeing how they could choreograph well, it was kind of funny seeing um you know a callback to rocky four in the form of creed and drago mm-hmm. but the progression of their rematch the first round is rocky three <laughs> so it he effectively creeds him he he uh, he balboas him so, so he uh, Rocky threes him. Uh, so he's he's sticking him and moving and is elusive. And then after that, everything goes to shit. <laughs> but at first, I was thinking it was going to play out in the fashion of Rocky three because, I mean, you, you take one look at this big nasty. <laughs> His, he picked the name, not me. <laughs> it's in the fucking credits. Flor, Florian Big Nasty Montianu. Um, he's enormous. And uh, supposedly he's an actual boxer or something. I couldn't find his record anywhere, so it's probably just amateur stuff or something. Um, anyway, you look at him, and it's not explicitly said until Max Kellerman chimes in a little later, because <laughs> <laughs> of course. But until later in the fight, it isn't even it isn't mentioned uh, that he has stamina problems. Mm-hmm. Um, Max Kellerman does say that like he's never been beyond four rounds, which would make sense if he's you know a pro with limited experience, but. Just by looking at him, you can't help but think that that's the route they're going to go with how to defeat this this big giant. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't really come into play until much later. And just based on that, I was assuming he was going to do the Rocky Three thing, where it's like, just get him out of there quick. You know? <laughs> like, Obviously, that's how I thought it was going to go, yeah. too. But what did you think of the training? Because that one, I was on the fence. Yeah, the actual things they were doing weren't nearly as impressive as other other training montages we've seen in the series um i like the concept of the uh the infighting drills where i like that but the environment more so was just kind of uh i i thought it was kind of corny it was tacky like they basically when they go to like the middle of the desert and there's this hidden like Mad Max looking like boxing gym. Yeah, out and the how middle. does Rocky know about this? By the way, exactly. Like, <laughs> like it, how it long seems have to be you this been out of the game. Like, and the way they describe it is like it's the place that fighters go to avenge themselves when they lose. It was and, tacky, and I think it was more just we need to do something different, but we're not sure what. It honestly played out exactly how any other prison fighting movie like prison tournament movie plays out yeah you just need scott adkins breaking people's arms and snarling and you're good to go but it just felt like an attempt to try to do something different but not the not the strongest of attempts uh like i said i think the infighting drill was the only thing that was especially interesting about it but even then in the choreography of the fighting it didn't really come into play too much because i thought they were building up to something like he would outmaneuver drago like Mm -hmm. just like put his head on his chest and just be swarming around his midsection or something Mm -hmm. but it plays out like a pretty straightforward fight for the most part the the choreography of it isn't as inventive as (laughs) as i was hoping but as far as just like straight up 
throwing of hurting bombs. Click, click. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the visceral impact of it's very effective. Yeah. And again, the as soon as that music cue kicks in, takes it to another level, and then segs directly into the, the, the towel waving, and it's like, okay, man. <laughs> like, hats off to you. You did a good job, Mr. Stephen Cable Jr. No, it's all in all an incredibly entertaining movie. Yeah affecting is the word that came to mind when I was walking to the car I was like I felt a lot of things watching this movie and that's really all you can hope for yeah and you you mentioned it but yeah it's worth noting too like the end when Rocky goes and reconnects with his son and sees Milo Ventimiglia or whatever which was good to see him back it's like uh, hey crooked face <laughs> no it was good to see him back and and it's always the reminder too because I always Again, there's a lot of parts of Rocky Five in this one that I appreciate seeing that he got to do right now. And that's one of the things that we always have to remember is his own son who was in Rocky Five, who is no longer with us. Yeah. Who, and so there are some emotions tied to it. And, you know, that's where the best stuff comes from. So, you know, there are parts of that where you do believe that maybe, you know, this character means all that much more to him for those reasons. And so... Yeah, I, I think in Creed One they they made it even sneakier. Where like when the subject of his son comes up, he says like he's not around anymore, and that's the extent of it. I remember they mentioned he's like moved away, like yeah. he's he's in a way where it's like not like next door anymore. Well, because like I knew that his real son had passed, and when he when the subject came up, I was like, oh, that's pretty close. No, to I, they mentioned that he's married. I know okay. that. So like, it, it's more that he finally got up the courage to go somewhere where he can be his own man and he's no longer just Rocky Balboa's well, son. And like one of the the huge thematic elements of that is him leaving Philly. Yeah. I mean just that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, like like we said at the top of the broadcast like if you spend enough time in a place you become that place and Rocky is synonymous with all things South Philly and and <laughs> well, like that's, him, him leaving is kind of him dying in a lot of ways. Like, but that's where you need the third one too, though I think, because now Creed has become the new Rocky. Like you know, Creed three would essentially be his first one, completely removed from that and his own character. And I'd be so. very interested to see what comes of that because, like I said, in in a lot of ways, it it feels. Like, they intentionally covered every major beat in all the Rocky sequels so we can get to this point. It's like, all you can't help but look at a, at a quote-unquote Rocky spinoff and expect to see, you know, nods to things that came before. Mm-hmm. Now that we've done all that thoroughly, yeah, what's next? Uh, I mean, the most realistic one would be to do something similar to the Mayweather shit we talked about. <laughs> Creed 3 MMA. <laughs> no, but you have some, like, just asshole MMA guy who you can go back to having those, like, Clubber Lang type fictional, just over the top villain I, I type. I think what you do is that. Um, but being as Adonis Creed is a very different person from Rocky Balboa, it becomes a mirror match. Yeah, you have someone who has a similar background to him, 
and he gets to see the dark reflection of himself. It's like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, and and this is a this is an Adonis Creed who's a few years removed from this. So it's like it gives him that perspective into himself. It's like, oh man, no wonder Rocky hated. <laughs> but no also, Rocky that... told me to sit down and shut up so many times. And that that's another reason why it'd be great to see Rocky removed in the sense that like it's no longer like you know, like he's just gone. Like, and hopefully with some sort of, like, you know, flashback moment, you know, Mickey loves you kind of thing. Oh, but I mean, say what you will about Rocky Five. That that moment is beautiful. I, I, you son of a bitch! Honestly, there's... <laughs> that is the one thing I was hoping for, where some of those flashes, like, because I really love that in Rocky Balboa, too, when he has those moments where it's like... <laughs> kind of supernatural almost where everything just stops and he's in his own head and yeah. just I love that shit. No, so. when, when he gets when he gets clocked on the chin in Rocky Balboa and he's he's like thinking to himself, what was he said to the kid? Yeah, and the color and everything. Yeah. I mean it, it for the Not moment, so much the part when Polly's screaming at him in slow mode, you can see the spit. Yeah. Which, but, but, but yeah, those those moments are pretty great. Um we didn't really get too many of those in this one for adonis but yeah i, I think in a, in a if i was to write a third one you'd have dark reflection as the antagonist and then yeah it would be kind of interesting to see this character it's like is he gonna is he gonna slip a bit now mm-hmm. that rocky's now that rocky's removed from his life or is he going to be more stable than ever and he'll like officially become like a Rocky where he's he's more grounded than ever? Well, and that's where you can go back to, like we were saying, incorporating the elements of modern times where... I think the you promoter could, is going to come back. I think the promoter combined with now you can introduce a, a social media component to it too where like he's mentally slipping already because he loses Rocky Balboa and now... You have this guy who's willing to say all this horrible shit and just be this awful person to him and just torment him from all these. It just it's a different world, well, basically. As, as a millennial story, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, is to have somebody who's just being awful, like mm-hmm. just being a complete shit heel to him. But you get mom- you get glimpses into his world and understand that's like he's doing this because it works. Like, yeah, he wants the title. He wants. He wants what the champ has, and this is unfortunately the only way to and get it. And he's hungrier than him because Adonis again has a really great life. Like he's and he's worked hard. Don't get him wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like he's proved himself in many different ways. But you know, you have that's part of being a fighter is you're constantly dealing with people hungrier than you, and you know that's kind of what Rocky alludes to. It's kind of what it's alluded to that. Why he doesn't connect with his son so well is because his son he raised, you know, with uh, money and weird sex bots, babysitters, and yeah. you know, like, <laughs> you know, he abandoning him on Christmas to go fight in Russia and, and, and communism and, and, and like Rantlers. <laughs> no, my point is like just more so like he very much like raised his kid in a different environment. As a result, it's a little tougher for him to kind of have much to talk about when. You know, they're in just having a normal conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine like a, a McGregor Mayweather press conference. What mm-hmm. the fuck is Rocky Balboa going to have to say about any of that? He's like, why are you so angry? <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, really? It's like, I talked to you yesterday. You were fine. Like, <laughs> what's, what's up with all the heat? 
No, but like I said, between that promoter who would be the perfect like foil to that, to just being like the cool, calm, collected guy who's like allowing this to happen, knowing that it's ruining this person's life, but knowing that he's going to benefit from it. Well, I mean, the example that comes to mind is a uh, uh, CM Punk in the UFC. Uh, there's that kid, Mickey Gall. Okay. So this kid, Mickey Gall, is a good fighter, but he's... Uh, largely inexperienced as a pro. I mean, he is now, but at the time, he was not. Um, and CM Punk is 40 and is looking for his first fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mickey Gall instantly jumped right on it and called him out. And, you know, masculinity is a hell of a thing. <laughs> and uh, uh, the fight went and happened and it ended in seconds. And now Mickey Gall is not a household name. But way more people know who he is than they did before that night. Oh, it's amazing how that stuff works. It's just like, uh, what do you call it? Uh, I heard about it. I, I don't follow it anymore. But uh, apparently Eminem had an album where he shit on a bunch of uh, young rappers. I heard about that. And then they all started thanking him on social media because they, so, <laughs> they just knew it was going to boost their like status. Because, yeah, you works. know, this legend mentioned their name in one of his things. But it was just like the funniest thing because like here's this old man who's just like no you don't get it like I think you missed the point. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it'd be important to have a a tale that is exactly that that something Rocky Balboa would have no place like if if it were to play out in a Rocky movie it would be played as a joke. I mean, you know, the beauty of these Creed movies is that they are still Rocky movies, but at the same time they're both written and produced by young men of of the current generation mm-hmm. and i think that's what a third movie would give us is they were very careful about uh ryan coogler wrote and directed the first movie uh, they wanted him to do the second one but black panther and michael b jordan took off yeah so they actually had to delay this film because of that yeah and ryan coogler just was like fuck i got disney money now <laughs> like i'm out of here sorry rocky <laughs> um, uh, so they got this stephen cable jr who i know basically nothing about he has very limited filmography but he's he's a black gentleman from cleveland and he's 30 years old and that means a lot that's impressive (laughs) no that means a lot for this franchise and i think it's important that if it's not him it's someone else who's of his generation yeah because that's the voice that differentiates rocky from creed and makes creed special and relevant yeah no, and like I said, I think you just have to have that last one, even if it ends at three, just to have it where it's its own identity. Like, you know, because again, I think I I wouldn't like to see him die on it just because I think, again, you're talking about a legendary mythical figure. So I think it would be kind of a touching, like true farewell to the character. It would be nice to see him maybe just like laid to rest next to Adrian. You know, it'd be nice to see his kid there with the grandson, like that his whole life's been reconciled and that he's just, you know, given Adonis as much guidance as he can. And, you know, and it's a perfect setup to, you know, you start on this emotional beat and then now the guy's on his own and, you know, he's officially just cut off from any ties beyond his own. Now he's got to figure out all by himself. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I'll watch it no matter what. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm very impressed by this one. I like Creed a lot, and I really like Rocky Balboa. So yeah, no, I'm 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 a mark for this franchise like through and through. But it continues to impress me that it's like 
I've seen three of these movies. I've been lucky to see three of these movies in the theater now, and every one of them has been very good. <laughs> and both of us went into this one not expecting much. So here's hoping that happens again for if there is a number three. I'm kind of hoping there is now, because as we've been talking about, it's like, yeah, you know, I kind of want to see what what a Creed divorced from Rocky looks like. Yeah, and I think that was the point all along. Like, um, you know, we we've talked about this like but it's it's a thing that's happening where you know you're taking these famous characters mythical figures and you know reintroducing them to new you know groups of people like you're taking rocky balboa the the great white hype and you're you've essentially made a modern day version who's black well it's you know batman has robin yeah eventually robin becomes Nightwing. yeah i would like to see creed become Nightwing. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be it'll be different, but it's it's more or less you're still going to get the emotional beats. You're still going to get you know some good values in there, like because there is that wholesome part that's always fun and yeah, and yeah, you know we'll we'll see. I it, I'm very very pleased so far. Yeah. Say that, All which right. is impressive for a movie where it's an avenging son fighting an avenging son, an, an avenging son trained by an avenging son. Fighting an avenging son. Right. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, uh, thank you for joining me on this installment of Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, Tune in next time. (laughs) 